Why don't you pray for us? Good morning, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for a new day. Thank you, Father, that you give us the opportunity to come together and to worship you today, Father God. I pray, Father, that you give my brother wisdom and discernment and the word that you already placed in his heart to, to speak to us, Father God. I pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters in Paris right now, Father God, for those who are hurting, for those who lost their loved one, Father God, I just pray, Father, that you are strengthened in this hour. Father God, for those who don't know you, Father God, that they will come to know you. I pray for the churches in Paris, Father God, that they will be able to share the true gospel with the hurting people, Father God. So I just thank you for what you're going to do in the midst of this difficult situation, my Lord. So, Father, I thank you. We give this day unto you this time, Father. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Nothing but 
Yeah. 
Father, you are truly great. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, you are pursuing us. Drawing us close to you, Lord. I pray, God, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. God, that our hearts would be good soil to receive your word planted within us, God, that it may produce fruit, lasting fruit in our lives. I thank you, Father, that your word declares that your love endures forever. I pray for Melissa this morning, as her and the kids aren't with us, and she isn't feeling well. Pray, God, that you would just touch her body, God, and you would heal her, that you would strengthen her, God, and you would give her peace. And pray, God, as we open your word this morning, Father, that you would bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> I have a few scriptures to go through today. We're still... The series, as I titled it, His Lordship. Today, the topic that we're going to kind of focus on is about His Lordship and abiding in Christ. And what does that look like for a believer? But before I get there, I wanted to read some, some information to you and kind of build from here. And one day, on Friday, we all are aware of the terrorist attacks that took place in Paris. On the same day, there was an earthquake in Japan. In Baghdad, on the same day, there was a funeral that was bombed. In Beirut, on the same day, there were suicide bombings. And then also, there was an earthquake in Mexico that day. And between these events, and there's many other events we could possibly talk about that happened on that one day. But this number, when I heard this number, just blew my mind. Like within that one day, from all of these events that I just mentioned, 115,200 people lost their lives. Wiped off the face of the earth. I don't know about you, but that takes my breath away. one day wiped off the face of the earth. Jesus, have mercy. And my heart's just been kind of heavy these past couple of days praying for the church throughout the world. Like the church, the people of God, Christians, that we would truly awaken to the hour in which we're in. And it's a constant theme that I keep bringing in front of us here. <laughs> that we would truly awaken to who we are in Christ. That we would know our identity in Christ. Because the world <clears throat> needs to see Christians living out the fullness of who their God is among them. You see, we recognize if we understand his word... 
that the days are only going to grow more evil. We shouldn't be shocked by these reports. Yes, we mourn with those who mourn. We, it, it, it's tragedy. But reality is, mankind is spinning out of control. The world is growing to grow darker. But the church, we're going to grow brighter. We have the hope in Christ. We have the good news to share with the lost. We're just not to go to church, we're to be the church. We're to, to live this life out in front of others. Like the God in whom we say we believe. Whom himself declared, I'm the only way. Like we have the good news of, of redemption. We have the good news of freedom. We have the good news that we were once this way, but we've been born again in Christ because a loving God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. The shedding of blood. His one and only son. He gave himself for us. That we would be reconciled back to God. That we wouldn't be enslaved to the temporalness of this life. You see, we were all born into sin. And this isn't something new. This is something that's talked about regularly around here. We were all born in a rebellious nature towards the living God. All of us. From the time we took our first breath, we were born into a nature that was in complete rebellion. But yet the word of God says that even though we were in complete rebellion towards him, God loves us. And his desire is that he would have a people who he will call his own and that they will call him their God. And he has made a way for us to live in fellowship with him through Jesus Christ. Remember Romans 5.1. Now therefore you're at peace with God through Jesus Christ your Lord. Is he your Lord? Because remember the foundational scripture that we've been kind of building on through the series is Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord and don't do what I say? You see, as Christians, there's a way to live. And it's about time, you all, that we really, really stop playing the games and that we really grasp the fullness of this life that has been given to us in Christ to live in this broken, fallen world to be the light in it. There's hope, you all, even in the midst of chaos. There's hope. And yet, though, the church is also told, you are the hope for the world. But in this world, you will be persecuted. In this world, the message in which we've been given to carry, the world is not going to receive it. In fact, the world is going to hate you. Because of me, Jesus says. Christianity isn't going to be the most popular faith out there. It never will be. Because the world in itself 
those who are apart from Christ is in rebellion to the kingdom of God. They are enslaved by the enemy. The Bible says that their minds are darkened. That they are controlled by their own desire, by their own rebellion within them. And so you go talk about righteousness. You go talk about living for Jesus. And not everyone's going to sign up for it. Not everybody's going to sign up for it. And we can all can make excuses of, of remaining enslaved to sin, but a Christian is not to be remain enslaved to sin because they have been freed from it. You see, the message of the gospel is the resurrected Christ. Like Jesus has been resurrected. And in his resurrection, he's given us the power because the Bible says that in and through his resurrection, he has defeated sin and death. They are no longer to master over us. No, we have a new master. We have a new Lord. We have given ourselves to him freely. He doesn't force us. No, we freely give ourselves. And in freely giving ourselves to him, we freely give ourselves to others. Amen. To serve them. To share with them this good news. There is hope. Hope in a chaotic world. And that hope is only found in Christ and in Christ alone. Live in the fullness of this message of this gospel of freedom. What kind of twisted message would it be if we go around preaching Christ, Him crucified, Him resurrected, but there's no hope for a changed life? What kind of craziness would that be? If we truly believe that he came to set the captives free through his blood, through his death, through his resurrection, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is, there is power in the understanding that the same power that raised him up from the dead is living inside of us. And yet, and yet, we keep going back like a dog to its own vomit, to the very nature that we're to be dead to. You see, as we've been studying His Lordship, your old nature, that old rebellion nature, the Bible says as we have been studying, that you are to consider for yourself that you nailed it to His cross. So why are we living it? Why are we having it have access to us? Why aren't we applying the word of God? When, when, when thoughts come, when the old man or the old woman tries to rise up and remind us, no, why aren't we reminding it who, who and what it was? It's of the old man. That's of the old way. Why would I settle for temporalness when I know that's just going to lead to death? Separation from God. Why would I choose to continue to live that way when God himself was pleased to reveal himself to me through his son Jesus? And not because I cleaned myself. No, no, because in the midst of my rebellion, in the midst of my dirtiness, he showed up and said, I love you. What? You love me? I love you. Now come, follow me. So Jesus says to each of us, come now, follow me. 
Trust me. I will lead you through this. This home, this earth is just a temporary place of temporalness. But I offer you love for eternity. Obey me. Trust me. Follow me. That's the mark of a true believer. Not someone who's just professing his name, but yet living crazy. Running amok, doing whatever, remaining in habitual sin. And yet we're warned, as we've been studying these past weeks, of these false messages creeping into the church, giving Christians the right to themselves. We're warned of that. Don't partake of those teachings. Don't give in to those teachings. The church is constantly being reminded, who's bewitched you? Why have you turned to a gospel that isn't the gospel at all? Why are you seeking the things of this world more than you're seeking Christ? No, be diligent in the fact that you are in Christ and remain in Christ. Do not turn from the faith. They're constantly warned. Christians are marked more by darkness than light. And how crazy is that? When we are called to be the children of light. Three points today we're going to make as we're going through scripture. Under his lordship, the first point, we are no longer of the darkness, but we are called to be the children of light. The second point we're going to look at today is we, under his lordship, we know the way of righteousness. And then the third one, under his lordship, we are abiding in Christ. There is a way in which we ought to live. And that is unto the Lord. And you've heard me say over and over, it's not about reaching perfection. Look, oh, my whole life is perfect now. No, 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 no. Christ is the only one who's perfect. Our position is in Christ. And being in Christ, we are maturing. We're growing up in the fullness of salvation of what he came and, and, and freed us from, ourselves. We talked about last week when Ronald was here, and we talked about this point that he laid out, which is a great point for Christians to truly understand, is that what did God save us from? He saved us from himself. He saved us from himself. He saved us from his wrath. You see, the Bible says that the wrath of God is stored up and it's about to be released on this earth. So why would we choose his wrath over his love? When he freely came to give it, and yet you freely want to reject it. You say, no, I'd rather go my way. I'd rather live for me. I'd rather go and be about my desires that drag me to the filth of this world. I'm just going to live a temporal, existent life. And in the end, that's all you've got. is temporalness. For eternity, you'll be separated from God. We talked about last week in the scripture. Two types of people who will enter into the eternal doom. Those who don't believe in God, and those who say they do and don't obey Him. What? Yeah. Go to scriptures last week. That's not man's teaching. That's God's word. There's a lot of people who say they're Christians. Oh, no, no. A Christian is one who obeys. Not just one who gets lift service. 
Anyone can stand up and talk about Jesus. Anyone can say, I'm a Christian. Anyone can say, look at me, I go to church, I do this, I do that, I've done this, I've done that. And they make it all about themselves. In reality, there's no relationship. Remember, Jesus himself said there will be those who will stand before him. And they'll say, well, didn't we do this and didn't we do that? And he says, I don't know you. I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of, of sin, you worker of iniquity. And yet, we want to keep making excuses in the Christian church of allowing sin to run amok. In our lives and in the church. We want to live deceptive lives. And some of us don't even want to live deceptive lives. Some of us just flaunt our sin in, in church. And around other Christians. And we don't have the fear of God. And yet, in one day, 115,200 people were wiped off the face of this earth. And we want to play church. Oh, God, no. We need to waken up, y'all. You're not going to find, you're not going to be entertained here. All I can present to you is the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about Christians? How are we to be living our lives? Go to um, Ephesians chapter 2. Man, we have the good news, you all. We have the good news to share. We have the hope in this world. Terror is being unleashed. Perversion is running amok. Rebellion is at the highest level it's ever been. And the church is locked up singing Kumbaya. Come Lord Jesus, come. That's not what we're to be. We're to be out there. How are your lives impacting the lost around you? Or how are your lives impacting other believers, encouraging them as they're encouraging you daily? You see, there is a standard in which we ought to be living, but it's not man's standard, it's God's standard. Look here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. This is the Word of God. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, rebellion, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And we've been talking a lot the past couple of weeks that it's a choice. It's a choice to follow God, to obey Him, or to follow your own desires. He makes a way out of every temptation, everything that's presented to you. You choose whom you're going to serve. You're going to serve something. It's your choice. God, I believe in you. I choose you this day, throughout this day, God. 
every time something is presented to you, how are you processing it? What thoughts are, are, are you taking captive, as the Word of God says, that is so contrary to God's truth, and you say, no, I'm not living that way. I don't have to live that way. In and of myself, I will, but I believe in the resurrected Christ. Jesus, my Lord, who has given me the power by his Holy Spirit within me, because as I believed in him, as I was saved, as I'm marked now by the Holy Spirit, I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life of righteousness, to live a life that, that honors him. Not a life that makes excuses why I'm still enslaved. You once lived this way. All of us, verse 3, used to live the way, live that way, following the passionate desires and the inclination of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, look at this, who is so rich in mercy and and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he has given us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. And we've been talking the past three weeks about grace. Grace is the power to transform. Grace is not the, the excuse to remain enslaved to sin. We have cheapened God's grace as if it's nothing. Oh, he can't transform anyone's life. Like, we talk more about the darkness in our lives than we do about the God who has delivered us. And do you realize when you do that, whom you're given control over your very soul? Because... He was so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead, because of our sinful nature, because of the rebellious nature that we were born in, we were dead. But we're made alive in Christ because of Christ and his death and his resurrection. There is hope now that we don't have to feed off the deadness of this world. No, we can walk by faith and not by sight. And we can recognize that this is just a place that we're passing through. God fanned a fire, fire within us that we may burn brightly in this day in our generation. Because let me tell you this, it is not by chance that you were born in this generation. Amen. The word of God says that he has purpose, good works for you. And for me, in this generation, before he placed you in your mother's womb. <clears throat> and you think it's by chance that you're even sitting here today? No, God is moving in in our lives constantly, revealing himself to us. Are we refusing him? How could we? Because of his rich and mercy, he loved us so much. And even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace, his transforming power, that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ Jesus. 
So God can point to us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He's planned for us long ago. You see, a lot of us in, in, our, in our lives and in this world, we wander around as if we, there's, we have no significance. We, we're of no value or no worth, but that is the lie from the pit of hell. And because we live as if we have no value or no worth, or because people have abused us or who have, who have hurt us, and so it strips us even more as if we're just of no value or, or of no worth. So then our flesh just seeks the things of this world to try to find some type of purpose for our lives. And it's a constant state of confusion and destruction in our lives. But that's not what God has. God has so loved us in His rich mercy and in His grace, He steps in. (laughs) And He says, child, your worth. Of worth. And it has nothing, it has nothing of anything that you have done or can do. It is all because of what Jesus has done. I can't boast in anything. You can't boast in anything. The only thing that we can boast in is in Christ. Because of Christ, because of his obedience to come. To lay his life down so that mankind can be restored back to God. It's all that we can boast in. It's because of Christ and Christ alone that we are made alive. Look at here, chapter 4 in Ephesians. Verse 17. With the Lord's authority I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. The Gentiles. Those people who were not born into the Jewish bloodline. You see, God came for all nations. For every single one of them. Gentiles were coming to know Christ. People were becoming and converting to Christianity. Jesus was healing. And Jesus was delivering. And even after his resurrection, through Paul, through the disciples, as they're going out and they're sharing this message, God is showing up. People's hearts are being transformed. Cities are being transformed. Lives are being transformed. And yet, all through this incredible acts of transformation, the church is being persecuted because the world doesn't want to hear or to see it. And it's been that way, and so it is today, and it will continue. 
So when he says here, with the Lord's authority, not with man's authority, but with the Lord's authority, live no longer as the Gentiles, or you could say as the unbelievers, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. We as the church should not be impressed with the world and what the world has. The church shouldn't be impressed with things that are birthed out of sin, out of desires, out of just ungodliness. You see, have you seen yourself live this way? Because that's how you lived before Christ. I know the dirty man I was. I know what burned within me. I know what could burn in me if I choose to allow it to burn in me. But why would I? Why would you? I don't want to live bound by lustful pleasure, practicing every kind of impurity. I don't want to just keep wandering from the life God has for me because I've chosen to close my mind and harden my heart. Who would want to keep living that way? Look what it says here. I love verse 20. But that isn't what you've learned about Christ. Since you have learned about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, look at this, we've been talking about the scripture, throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life, look at this, which is corrupted by lust and deception. How are we to be living? We are to be the children of light, we're under his lordship. And so we're to be throwing off the sin that so easily entangles us. Stop making excuses for it. Stop hiding it. No, just be, remember the scripture last week? Live a what type of life? A quiet life. And mind your own business. That's what scripture says. And you know what most Christians are known for? Getting in everyone's business. Gossiping, backbiting, carrying on. But I love Jesus. How on earth are we playing church? But the word of God is very clear. That's why the world laughs at us. That's why the world mocks us. <laughs> if you're not being persecuted for your faith, then you're probably not living out your faith. If the world's embracing you as a Christian, you know, you're just like them. <laughs> Look what the word says. I know we all want to make excuses. I know people have sat in churches their whole life. And yet they're just as dead as the sinner running them up in the street. And somehow they think they're better than a sinner. God help us. Mind your business and live a quiet life. And don't be lazy. How about that for Christians? Christians are called not to be lazy. You're to be productive. And if you're not productive, something's wrong with your faith. I know, let's make all the excuses of why. <laughs> but your excuses amount to nothing. Because it's your choice to remain that way. Amen. <laughs> A 
Christians are called to be productive. Live productive lives. Do not be lazy. Work hard and work diligent. That's how we're called to live. So we're called to, to throw off the old nature, the old way, the, your formal way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Some of us look at our old lives and, and we still fantasize about it or we still try to find something good in it. But the Word of God says that your old way is nothing but filled with rebellion, with lust, with deception. There's nothing there. That's why Jesus says you must be born again of the Spirit. You see, there is an element of, of a spirit world that we in our natural minds with our own eyes cannot see. The Word of God says that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the rulers in the air of the darkness. And it's, a quite, it's shameful that the lost know more about the spirit realm than the church. They can tap into it, and the church is afraid of it. What are we doing? So then how are we to live? Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. How are you doing with that daily, you all? Throwing off the old and putting on the new. Reminding yourself, no, no, I'm not living this way anymore. This is how I'm living. And a lot of us don't even know how we're to be living because we're not even in the Word of God. It's as if the Word of God is useless to our lives. What kind of nonsense is that? Your new nature, everything you need to know about Christ, about living righteously, is here in this Word. And we barely pick it up. We push it aside. And you know what's funny? There's a lot of times we'll hear Scripture preached, and we will be more diligent to seek Scripture that coddles us than Scriptures that convict us and lead us to repentance. Amen. You can't pick and choose what you want out of here. Amen. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is you're taking it from the beginning to the end. Speak, Lord. Work it in me, Holy Spirit. I will never measure up to this, but I never could, and you knew that. That's why you came. So I'm, I'm tired of the games berating my mind. No, I see my need for a Savior. And man, God, I need you every day. Every day. God, I am yours. And you are mine. And I want to walk in fellowship with you. Not because of anything I've done. No, it's because you came for me. You desire me. You've prepared good works for me. I have a purpose for my lifespan. For whatever many years I have on this earth, I have a purpose. And I have an eternity awaiting for me with you. To rule and to reign in your kingdom. Not my will. Your will be done. Are we living that? 
And if you're not, don't pretend. Don't play games as if somehow you're safe. Somehow everything's okay. Reality is it isn't. You see, there's an enemy that wants to destroy your soul. There's an enemy that wants to destroy your purpose. There's an enemy that wants to stop the works that have been planned for you. There's a world that wants to continue to lure you. And there's a flesh that wants nothing but to destroy you. Because your desires within only knows how to do one thing, and that's to die. Three things working against your identity and, tr- and the truth of God in your life, and yet we won't pick up the word. We won't stand for truth, and yet we're called to. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Remember, he's writing to the church. He's writing to those whom say they believe in Jesus Christ. This was a letter to the church in Ephesus. It wasn't a letter to the lost. He's correcting the church. Listen, if you are a thief... Stop stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Could you imagine a transformed life? I once was a thief. Someone could testify. And everyone knew that person was a thief. But Jesus, so rich and grace and mercy transforms this individual's life. And now this individual is learning how to live. And so now this individual is a hard worker. He, income is being produced. And now his heart is so radically changed and transformed because of Jesus. Instead of being greedy and hoarding and wanting to steal and rob and gain for himself. The word of God says work hard and then give generously to others. What? Could you imagine if we really start living transformed lives? How people used to see us live, and now they're seeing us live differently. They go, what happened? You used to be a thief. Jesus happened. He's changed my life. I once was, but now I am. transformed life. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words be an encouragement to those who hear it. Could you imagine? If people know you to be, you curse like a sailor? Tearing down people with your mouth. Running amok with your words. Never anything good. Everything's negative. Could you imagine if Jesus transformed your life? How you should be living? The opposite. 
Let everything you say be good and helpful. If you got nothing good to say, be quiet. And there's been scriptures where we read where it basically tells us to shut up. You've got nothing good to say, shut up. Don't say a word. You don't need to release it. You have self-control. Start practicing it. No, I don't have to say that. I don't have to release that. Every word out of your mouth, that it be good and helpful. Could you imagine those people that are used to you cursing like a sailor or running your mouth, gossiping, backbiting, and tearing people down? Could you imagine they're going to look at you and say, Mama, what's wrong with you? Come on. Give us a what for. Tear us down with your words. Bible says there's life and death, and I can speak it. I'm a child of God now. I've been marked by Christ Jesus, my Lord. I can't say it. And if I do, if it comes out, oh God, bring such conviction that I'm quick to say, I'm sorry. Who contained this tongue? Only the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can't. Amen. That's why this life now is to be lived, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have Him. So walk according to how He's leading you. And the more you put this into practice, the more you're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide your life, the more that you're growing and you're maturing in your Christian faith. And others are going to see a difference and they're going to say, something's wrong with you. Yeah. I'm not of this world anymore. And you realize they may kill our bodies, but they can't take away our salvation. We're not to be afraid of the world, and we're not to be afraid of the darkness. You see, in Christ, all of that has been stripped of its powers. All of it. No matter how the world wants to push up against us, it has no power. There is no strength in time. It's nothing. And we ought to start living that way. We ought to start living that way. God has given us every weapon of our warfare to demolish strongholds. We're not arrogant in and of ourselves when we get up in the morning. No, but we are in Christ and we already understand that the rulers and the principalities have already been stripped. And there is a way to live. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, and look at this, forgiving one another. Just as Christ, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And yet the church wants to hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness. Really? You think you have a right to that? Well, I'm just working it out. Well, keep working it. Because you're never going to get anywhere if you're working. Why don't you start laying it down? Why don't you start telling yourself, I have no rights to that. In fact, I'll stand and I'll begin to pray for those who have insulted me. 
Why don't we stop being so angry, angry and start just being God, just deal with me, God. Let my actions honor you. I don't know, but we all have rights. We want rights. To what? To the old nature that is corrupt? No, God, I am of the new nature. God, train me up. Teach me. God, I'm yours. How am I to live now as children of the light? Look, it goes right into chapter 5 here. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Not just the things you want to look godly in, but everything. Because you are his dear children. Live a life filled, look at this, with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. And we've been talking over the past couple weeks a lot about sexual immorality, about perversion. And it's all types of sexual immorality. I know the church just likes to point at the homosexual community and the transgender community, but maybe take the finger and point it right back to all the sexual sin that is running them up in the church. It's perversion, no matter what it is. If it is not ordained how God created sex to be, do you know sex, we, God created us as sexual beings. Sex in itself is not wrong. Actually, sex in itself is very delightful under the, the way that God has ordained it. But we pervert everything. Because once man's hands get on it, all we can do is destroy it. All you do is destroy it. So we seek out our appetites. Kids today, at the age of young age of seven and eight, are acting out in sexual acts. And it's getting worse and getting worse. And by the moment, perversion is running amok. The foundation of marriage is, is, is being destroyed. Pornography is on the increase. Sex slave industry is growing in huge numbers. And we just keep giving it to, giving over to it. saw in scripture last week, God's especially on hard on those who partake of sexual sin. And yet, we make excuses why we click on that website, why we snap pictures of ourselves, why we do the filth as if it's just a workout, we're free to do it. And I told you the other, the last week, and you maybe heard talk about it before, it sickens me that hotel industry knows when they're going to make big money on pornography. It's when Christians are in town for conferences. Are you kidding me? God's holy people, 
coming into a city. And it's a joke among the hotel industry where they make more money off of pornography is when Christians are in town. The, uh, the numbers are skyrocketing. Front desk people are mocking Christians. They see what you're signing in on and what you're watching, but you want to give them a track and tell you Jesus loves you. doing you all I mean really like I'm flabbergasted I'm like oh god let there be no sexual morality impurity or greed among you such sins have no place among God's people Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. He's writing to the church. We already know that the world stands in judgment. But we see all through Scripture, constantly, He's reminding us about the kingdom of God and how we are not to be partaking of things because as you're partaking of them, no, you're not inheriting. Oh, I have a problem with that, Pastor. Well, then you show me a scripture that gives you the right to all of that and gives you the, the security of salvation. Show it to me. Because I've been asking for years for everyone who wants to come and tell me how they have a right to keep living however they want to live. Where's the scripture? Because by God, Norma and I would be the first to run out of this place and get right back where we were. If we have the right to. Ah! Same with the rest of you. I know what a perverted life is. I know what it is to live for myself and just do what I want to do. Please. Show me. If it insults you, if it upsets you, then show me where you find security in Scripture that you can keep living an ungodly life and march into heaven. I ask you all, instead of talking amongst yourselves about what's preached here, come show me. In this word, where you have the right to continue to sin and to act so ungodly. True freedom. Either there is or there isn't. I choose to believe there's freedom in Christ. I choose to believe as I've seen and can testify in my own life and in the other lives of people that I know who have walked this out. Has it been a cakewalk? No, because each and every single day you're getting up and you're faced with things. But my hope is not on my circumstances or the things that I'm faced with. No, my hope is in Christ. He's the only one that can change me. And yet we want to coddle people and pat people on the back and walk them through a 12-week course. When I believe in the power of God, 
I believe in walking with people and seeing them mature. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. Don't be fooled. Oh. Verse 6. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Oh, as it was then, so it is now. And the word is very clear. Don't be fooled by people who are in the church giving you the right to live however you want. Everybody's a Christian. And then we want, what gets me is when we want to label our sin and say and attack, attach Christianity. Whatever Christian. Whatever Christian. What kind of joke is that? No, it's just a Christian. Because we're followers of Christ. Followers of Christ. Living in the light. So don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in these things people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the, word, from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Do you do that daily? You should. Not because you're forced to. No, it just should be what's reborn in you. It's this new nature. Like, do you carefully determine what pleases the Lord throughout your day? This weird nonsense that we do in church. Oh, come, 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 say a little prayer. Poof, you're a Christian. What kind of craziness is this? We're rushing people up to the altar. We're rushing people to say a prayer. And they have no clue on what it is to follow a Christian. And yet then we pat them on the back and we say, you're a Christian. And they get up. And they have no clue. Of who Christ is. But I'm a Christian. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. It's the last time you discipled someone in that. Because if you're a Christian, you should be discipling. If you're not discipling as a Christian, something's wrong. I don't agree. Oh, okay. Find me scripture. You should be discipling others. We're to be advancing the kingdom of God, you all. This is the mission that has been given to us as a church. And we ought to be excited. We ought to be excited every day we get up. We have the good news. The forces of darkness cannot even prevail against us. We're to walk with our heads up. We're to be encouraged in the fact that we know whom we belong to. And our desire is to see others come to Christ. To live this life out. So others will know. So take no parts in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Take no part. Expose it in your own life. Start there first. 
It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. Instead, that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God and the Father, from God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we're to be living, under His Lordship, no longer in the darkness, but as children of light. I was sharing with Carrie last night. I was reminded about my days in the raves and the club scene. How I would just pump acid all in my body. My friends, Tida and Jesse, we went down to Ybor City. And man, I used to be, believe it or not, I used to be really thin. <laughs> I used to dance nonstop. Nonstop. Hours, dripping with sweat, pressed in, because hundreds of people would be packed into a little office space or warehouse, wherever the rave was being promoted to be. And I would dance for hours, lost, in the most chaotic scenes in my mind because of the drugs and just the adrenaline and the beats. with anyone and everyone. Tide and Jesse found me hours later. Stripped down to almost nothing. And these were hardcore sinners themselves. They were disgusted by me. They were disgusted. Wow. But I had a ride. I want to do me. It's only God that can change a man like that. Mm-hmm. Only God that can give me a sound mind that I can look at that and I can and I don't have to go yell at those people. I can grieve for them because oh, I know what it's like to try to find something in all these scenes and yet be still so empty and lost. So I don't have to damn them to hell. No. My heart is to tell them about Jesus. Because we're to be children of light now. Children of light. To live differently. Not to partake of the darkness. Go to 1 Timothy. 
The second point under His Lordship, we know the way of righteousness. Actually, I think I said 2 Timothy, but go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 11. Timothy was a young man. And Paul had a lot of influence over Timothy's life and his development as a Christian. So it's written to Timothy here in verse 11. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. We could put our names there. You're a man of God. If you're a Christian, you're a man of God. You're a, man of, you're a woman of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Again, this is how we should be living. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God, who gives life to all, and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this command without wavering, Timothy, Rob, Carrie, Michelle, uh, put your name there. Without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now on until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven be by the blessed and the almighty God. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. He alone can never die, and he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as good as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Timothy. We'll put your name there. Guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you all. Timothy, guard what you have been given. Don't waver from it, Timothy. Live it out, Timothy, so that others will see what God is doing in your life. Go to 2 Timothy. Chapter 2. Verse 22. Run from anything that stimulates 
youthful lust. And again, we're on the second point of under his lordship, we're to be and know the way to righteousness. So run from anything that stimulates youthful lust, verse 22. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Again, this is how we should be living. Enjoy the companionship of those who call the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap when they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Chapter 3. You should know this, Timothy. That in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedience to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is, what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. See, we know the ways of righteousness the people that were called not to have any association with the people who hold a form of religion, but denying the power of God. There's a way in which we are to live. Go jump down to verse 12 in chapter 3. Yes, And everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and and imposters will flourish. Can we just grasp this scripture so we're not trying to twist this weird warped sense of Christianity? And let's really hear what the Word of God says. Yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You're not going to be liked, you all. The world is not going to rally around your calls. In fact, the world will make you look like you're insane. They will talk about you. They will mock God. They will, they will laugh at you. They will remind you of your past. And if they could, they would kill you. Because you irritate them. Just by living a godly life. Just by living for God. It irritates people. In fact, we have brothers and sisters who are being killed for their faith. Here, we're just persecuted by being, being told to be silent. No one wants to hear from you. Go out there and share your faith in the streets. See how people respond. Are you willing to keep sharing though? Think about brothers and sisters who are being captured, being locked up in cages and set on fire. Just last week. They're being beheaded. 
Christian girls are being raped brutally and then dragged out in front of their parents and being beheaded. And we want to play church. <laughs> we want to just do what we want to do. Oh, no, 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 no. Remember Jesus' words. To be my disciple, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. In fact, Jesus even goes even further. It's going to cost you everything. Jesus' words. That's why he came. He's exposed the darkness for what it is. He's exposed the flesh for what it is. And he's exposed the world for what they are. He says, but you come and follow me. But Jesus, I'm scared. But I have given you power. Get your eyes off what they can do to you. And come and follow me. I see these pictures of our brothers and sisters being tortured. And I'm like, wow. I hear pastors and, and Christians are being locked up and chained up in jail in our day and age. I'm hearing where Christians are being stripped of their rights in America. Because they hold up what they believe and they say, we just can't. And they're being jailed. Or they're being fined. Because they won't cater to the demands of the world. Oh, go live your faith out there, you all. But remember. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And look what it says here. Don't miss the second part of this. But evil people and imposters, those fake, phony little Christians who like to infiltrate the church will flourish. They're going to grow in increasing numbers. It's going to flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. I tell people all the time, the greatest deception is not that you're lying and getting away with it. The greatest deception is not that you're lying and pretending in front of everyone and getting away with it. Oh, I pulled it over on them. No, 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 no. The greatest, step, the greatest deception is that you're fooling yourself. <laughs> you believe your own lies. And you're, going, you're, you're working against yourself to destroy yourself. I told you last week, isn't it interesting that, that growing up we see the choices that our families, members, our loved ones have made. We see how it has destroyed their lives. And yet, we go towards the same things and somehow believe, well, it won't do that to me. Can y'all really get a good picture of the flesh? Your flesh, that rebellious nature, wants to kill you. And all it knows is death. And so it deceives even yourself. You think you're, you've got the big show going on. You've got the parade. And no one knows what's going on. And you're killing yourself. Because in the end, it's you. And all that darkness. So they will deceive others. 
and will themselves be deceived. But you, church, must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know when you, when you, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scripture from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, please underline this, get this verse as a foundation to stand on. All Scripture, not just some, not the ones you like, but all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. God, I hope we're hearing it today. All Scripture is inspired by God. I know people like to say and do and carry on about Scripture and how the Bible came into an existence and yada, 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 and who wrote it and whatever. But the truth is, is this is the inspired Word of God that was penned by man. From Genesis to Revelation, no man, no group of people could sit and, 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 and put these books together, these letters together, together in such a format that really exp exposes this incredible love story from beginning to end that God would have a people that he can call his own and that they will call him their God wow and he comes and he rescues them and he says, by rescuing you, you are going to be marked as mine so that others will know who I am. Amen. That's how you're to be living as a Christian. Others should know God because how you are living. That's how we're called to live. Wow. You be faithful. You know they are true, these words. You have been taught these. All scripture is inspired by God. And look at this. And it's useful to teach us what is true. And look at this and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. You can't just be a hearer of the word. You have to be the doer of the word. You can sit in church your whole life and still go to hell. Hearing the word does not save you. Christ Jesus saves you. It's by faith that you believe in Christ and Christ alone. But the word has to be active in your life, living it out. Or you're going to be called up and with all this nonsense that's being thrown at you. So the word of God is inspired, it says here, and is useful to teach us in the ways of righteousness and what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And yet we don't want to pick up the Bible. How can that be? It is what's used to train us up in righteousness. Under his lordship, we know the way of righteousness. Let's look and close with this. Last point. We are to abide in Christ. And listen to this definition. To abide is to live, continue, or remain. So to abide in Christ is to live in Him and remain in Him. 
when a person is saved, he or she is described as being in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Anyone who is in Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Go to 1 John chapter, 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. To abide in Christ. This is the message we heard from Jesus. And now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar, showing that his word has no place in our hearts. This rebellion nature, all it knows to do is sin. But when you repent, when you confess your sin, when you turn from it, God is quick to forgive. And I love this. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And then he goes in here in chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. My dear brothers, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin... We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. You got sin in your life? It's time to come clean. Confess it. Jesus is there. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He, he's quick to forgive. He washes you clean. There's power in his name. And if not, then just go run buck wild. Because then really what hope is there? I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Jesus is interceding for us. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. You can have the assurance of salvation. You can have the assurance that you belong to Christ if you obey him. What is this there? If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in this truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in Him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Jump over to verse 15. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. 
For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And then he goes right in, and he gives us this understanding again about these false teachers, the Antichrist, that, are, that will rise up to, to spread just deception all among God's people. So I love it in verse 24. It says, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we'll enjoy the eternal life he promised us. I'm writing these things to warn you, verse 26, about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are children of God. Chapter 3. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we, already, we are already God's children, but he has not shown himself. I'm sorry, he has not shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. We talked last week about this expectation, this hope that we have, and how we're continually to encourage each other up for about his return. And we're reminded yet again about that. So everyone who is sin, who everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning habitually does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to, look at this, to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make it a practice of sinning. Because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Bless you. That's the word of God. So to abide. This phrase, abiding in Christ, it pictures an intimate, close relationship. It is not just a superficial acquaintance. You see, in John 15, Jesus tells his disciples that having salvation is essential. Using the picture of branches united to a vine, 
Without the vital union with Christ which salvation provides, there can be no life or no productivity. Let's close there. Go to John 15. Under his lordship, you all, we're to live as children of light, no longer having any part of darkness. We're to live and know the ways of righteousness because of Christ. Under his lordship, we are called to abide in him, to remain in Christ. There is a way in which we are to be living, and that is the standard that should be raised up, especially in this hour and in this generation. Jesus' words. I am the vine, or I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and it withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way as I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay, one's, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Y'all hear that? You didn't choose him, he chose you. You see, there's nothing in and of ourselves that would wake up one day and say, well, follow Jesus. No, your flesh is in rebellion towards him. He awakens this understanding within you. The Holy Spirit draws you. God is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus so that you will be saved. And Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. God Almighty, you all, knows you. And he has chosen you. I have appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Again, these are Jesus' words. The world will love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you, again, to come out of the world so it hates you. 
Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me naturally, they will persecute you. And if they have listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all of this to you because of me. For they have received the one who sent me. Or, I'm sorry, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I, didn't, if I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they fully still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Chapter 16. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues, and a time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. The time is coming. And the time has been since when people kill believers and they think they're doing the work of God. <laughs> this is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I am telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a, little, for a while longer. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where am I going. Instead, you grieve because of what I told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the Advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I go away, then I will send him to you. And, he come, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Look at that. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me, me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives. And then closing in verse 31, Jesus said, Do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now. When you will be scattered, each one going to his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And in verse 33, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have already overcome the world. On this earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Some translations read it, be of good cheer. Jesus says, for I have already overcome the world. I have stripped it. I have exposed the enemy. I have exposed your flesh. I have exposed the world for what they are. 
and I have revealed myself to you. Now it's your choice, he says. Receive my love or receive my wrath. It's your choice. And that's why he is just in what he gives us. Either we receive him or we don't. It's your choice. But please, if you're calling yourself a Christian, I want to start encouraging us to really live like one. Stop playing the games because you're not fooling anyone. It's time to really start taking a stand, you all. Again, 115,200 lives in an instant. Gone. Gone. Wiped off the face of the earth. And many more since then. In this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. Take heart. Our God, our King, Jesus, has already become the world. And now we're to live lives that honor Him and bring Him glory. So characteristics of those who are abiding in Christ. The first one is obedience to Christ's commands. You find that in John 15, verse 10, and the first John chapter 3, verse 24. The second one, the characteristic of those who are abiding in Christ, remaining under his lordship, is following Jesus' example. We read that today in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. The third characteristic, one who is living free from habitual sin. It's in 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. And then the last one, and there's many more, but I just selected these four. Awareness of his presence in one's own life. 1 John 4, verse 13. Jesus, you all. There's no other one who has came. Accomplish what he did to reconcile us back to God. And my heart's prayer is, is that we would truly seek him because the Word of God says, if you seek Him with your whole heart, then you will find Him. You close this, Gary. I know if you wanted to, you could wave your hand. Spare me this heartache and change your
more than anything.